Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's November 15th, 2019. You're listening to the finest poker cast money can buy. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Uh, are you uh, affected by this time change crap that everyone's whining about on social media? Yeah, so if you could just hurry up with the show so I can go to bed. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's like it's never happened to them, you know? They're, every person who's complaining is at least 21 years old. You've gone this probably 50 times in your life. I mean, give uh, me a break. But, yeah, but every year we get a little bit older, so we get crankier about it. So. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I hate it that we do this, because I hate it being dark early and whatever, but, I mean, it doesn't affect me for, what, maybe a day and a half? And then everything's normal again for sleep. I, what I find most fascinating about this discussion is the crankiest person I know in the world is Chris Casenza. <laughs> And I'm positive and about you're it. All, hey, calm down. <laughs> Nothing to see here, folks. Like Kevin Bacon and Animal House. Exactly. What's the deal? What's going on over in your world? But Way more people uh, per day like fly on airplanes and change time zones. But you don't see people bitching online saying, oh, I hate this round earth society, you know? I mean, <laughs> there, are, there are some flat earth people out there, though. <laughs> They're probably about it. Yeah, we're, we're offending them somehow. I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> So what's up for well, you? What's going on? I, I, will, I will try to adjust. So if I fall asleep during the show, it's because of daylight saving time. So, so. <laughs> no, it's because it's standard time. We're back to standard time. I don't know what time it is. I just know <laughs> what time it's not. Clearly, because we're 12 minutes late to start the show, so you never know what time it is. You're always late. <laughs> hey, Dan, convenience all of your listeners out there that yeah. uh, tuned in on time and we yeah. weren't there. Yeah, you. that's right. All right, the first two events in the Antioch Winter Poker Classic at Gila River Hotels and Casinos Wild Horse Pass are in the books. Nearly 300 players, Chris, turned out for the Thank You for Your Service event on Veterans Day. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, that event featured discounted buy-ins for military members. Um, and then more than 100 players uh, showed up for event two, in which Wild Horse Pass added 2500 bucks to the prize pool. 400-hour main event is under the way soon today. Um, uh, if you're listening right away, you could probably still get there before it starts. <laughs> um, if not, there's another flight tomorrow on Friday. And then uh, we'll finish it up on Saturday, and I'm on a uh, plane tomorrow, so I will see you there uh, late Friday night, uh, late tomorrow night, and, and all day Saturday. Uh, and if you do happen to win that main event, you will get a bunch of cash. Um, there's a $100,000 guaranteed prize pool for that, by the way. Yeah. Uh, you also appear on the cover of Antioch Magazine. We hope. Uh, and get a seat <laughs> in the 2020 Antioch World Championship at Thunder Valley Casino Resort. A little inside humor there. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you'll be on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Get all the details at antiupmagazine.com slash wildhorsepass. Cool. 
Yeah, it's kind of weird not to be out there right now for an event for the first time an event at, at a at a property, but uh, but all the reports we're getting are very good, so I'll be very happy to uh, get it off that plane tomorrow. Whine about daylight saving time and the red eye and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> and then uh, be happy on Saturday to uh, see all of our Phoenix friends out there. So yeah. come out and see us for this great Antioch Poker Tour event. Sweet. And as always, uh, it was an awesome time at the Howard Frank Memorial Deep Stack Charity Classic uh, this weekend. Uh, it was my first time down there, uh, as I mentioned on the show last week, uh, since it moved to the Isle Casino last year in South Florida from Daytona Beach uh, Kennel Club in North Florida. And uh, it, it was interesting. It was a little bit different. Uh, a lot of it was the same, which was great. So uh, same fantastic raffle prizes. Uh, what was not the same is I did not win one this year. Is that, I think that's a record now. It's like two years in a row now. You didn't win anything last year either, did you? Yeah, or yeah. The last well, time you went. went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I went a little bit of a dry streak here after winning like four years in a row. So, yeah. and, uh, oh, we all felt so terrible for you. Yeah, Mommy and Daddy needed a new TV this year too. So, uh, uh, And I had two chances of winning. So you had one in the raffle, and then if you finished 11th, you got a 75-inch uh, 4K rounded circle bubble, <laughs> you know, whatever yeah, new yeah. crap is. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't get that either. But, um, but uh, as always, that main event came with uh, two great meals. This time they're both at Isles Buffet, which is very fantastic. Um, so that was a great little value added. Um, and the uh, main, I finished 50, 57th out of 366 runners this year, um, which got me nothing other than a good story. Mm. And unfortunately, I finished eighth, but out of the money in the Norman Chat Horse event, which was a blast as well, too, because you're buying for that. Uh, also included a uh, barbecue buffet, which was really fantastic, and you got a drink ticket, uh, good for one uh, soda, um, water, or Pabst Blue Ribbon. Yes, of course I went with the PBR. So, uh, but that was fun too uh, because uh, the buffet was before the event, and uh, I was the first one there because I was hungry, <laughs> and then uh, Norman Chad was the second one there because <laughs> he was hungry, and uh, always good to see him and chat, and um, uh, people loved. Uh, Talking to him, um, uh, Mike Sexton was uh, at my table in the um, uh, in that event as well too. Uh, so it was kind of fun to get to play with Mike Sexton for the entire time he was in. Of course, I outlasted him because I'm of course because you're awesome player, right? Yeah, he's only a stud player, so. <laughs> but a uh, very personal guy. He's really interesting watching the people come up and take photos with him and ask him uh, questions about poker. Super nice guy and answered all of them. Uh, including talking about players we haven't seen before. He's like, hey, is T.J. Cloutier still alive? He's like, yeah, he's still alive. <laughs> uh, Gus Hansen, what happened to him? Well, no, he's still playing. He's just playing at really high stakes. So you don't see him anymore. Um, so really kind of cool uh, to play horse with him, too. And um, uh, But in the horse, uh, I, I Facebooked about this because I thought it was kind of funny. So um, uh, we got to the Raz. And I had a great starting hand. You know how it goes in Raz, right? Mm -hmm. Then brick, 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 brick. But sometimes the bricks look good <laughs> on the outside, right? Yeah. Um, so I ended up on the, on the river with a full house. That's not going to win in Raz ever, right? So, you know, the old adage, you got to bet if you're going to win, right? So I bet. And my opponent took a long time thinking and then folded. I'm like, and that is the best feeling in poker, folks. Yeah. If you can win uh, on the river in Raz with a full house, that's just like, whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> And I even showed it. I'm like, hey, guys, I don't do this often, but that, that was pretty impressive. So, unfortunately, the very next hand, I had almost the same thing. It wasn't a full house, but I bricked all the way to the end, and I chickened out that time. I should have made that last bet, but uh, uh, didn't have much in my stack. So, I'm like, all right, I'm not going to take a chance. I think this guy's got to calm me down this time. But 
two hands in a row that went to super south on me, but I, I won one of them. So that was well, if you didn't show the first one, you might have had a chance on the second that's one. That's true. That's true. I got a little too cocky. Yeah. Right? yeah there you go. Little, have a little more humble pie with my uh, barbecue uh, <laughs> lunch. Um, so another funny thing, you know, horse tournaments, there's always stories that come out of it, right? And um, um, and always in every horse tournament, I don't care how much the buy-in is, there's going to be a guy at your table to ask what the game is every time. Yeah. And then you tell them, and then all right, so that's high-low. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, so I use seven cards? Well, not really. I use five. And I'm like, how do you not know how to play any of these games? <laughs> but would you uh, put down 200 bucks to get in those bent? It's crazy. But, <laughs> but the absolute worst thing you can do in horse, and I'm not trying to discourage players who haven't played horse from entering horse. It's the absolute most fun tournament I think you'll ever play. Uh, so I'm not trying to discourage you by this. I'm just giving a little tip so you don't look silly at the table, right? So... It's a common question to ask what the game is, because sometimes the placards are really small, and particularly in that Raz Stud, Stud 8 rotation, uh, the dealer might announce it's switching the game and you don't hear it, and that could be tragic for you, right? So always ask what the game is, but if you are sitting with four whole cards, <laughs> don't ask what game it is. <laughs> insider tip, this is super, super deep insider, because we've been in the business a long time. <laughs> The only game in horse where you have four down cards is Omaha. <laughs> That's a little... Any... One, two, three, four. Uh, I'm not going to ask what the game is because I know it has to be Omaha. There you go. That's your lesson for the That's day. a little poker deep state right there for you. <laughs> you need to know the underpinnings of the, the real poker world. That's it right there, buddy. And two down cards, too, as well. If you just get two and no more cards are coming, don't be Very asking. Play and hold them. Really, the only question she'd ever have about what game it is is which stud rotation we're in, and that's a very valid question to always ask. And everybody should have one facing up and nothing in the middle. Yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of funny. Um, uh, all right, so in the main event, I thought it was interesting as well, too. I mean, I got, uh, the, uh, you know, they always give me VIP status when I'm down there, which is nice because of the work we do for it. Uh, but they put all the VIPs at the same table, and a lot of the VIPs, I think I've talked about this in the past at this event, um, haven't played a lot of poker. They're not very experienced in it. They're they're there to support the charities, which is all fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes very frustrating to play with them, right? Because they don't know what the blinds are. They don't know all the bells and whistles of a tournament. Um, it slows down, but... Uh, but eventually uh, we weed through those folks, and it's right around dinner. And then you come back from dinner break, and then uh, the more experienced players have circled into your table, right? Right. But I was absolutely fascinated at the play I watched after that. Again, after the, the, the players that uh, are, are not as experienced had um, expired. Um, and so we, we sat down from dinner, and the blinds were um, 4,000, 8,000. And the average stack, Chris, was 83,000. Hmm. So think about that for a minute, all right? The average stack was just a hair above 10 big blinds. Right. And what do we preach on the show all the time? If you got 10 big blinds, that means you have two options. Right. <laughs> you are either all in or folding. Uh, or if you're the big blind, obviously you can check. But um, but other than that, that's the only thing you have. And even uh, I've been preaching this for a while. Even at 15 big blinds, I think you need to be doing that. So think about this. In a we had 170 players left at that. I think at that point, right? So of 170 players, um, 
half of them, if you do it on a mean thing, where 10 big blinds or less. Yeah. Uh, and it's really probably more than that, right? Because you don't do it on a mean. You do it at, uh, It's what it is. There's a couple of uh, big stacks. I think uh, Chip Leader at Dinner Break, because they got on an iPad, was uh, three 300 or something. Right. So not huge, right? But, right. Um, so, um, but I, I completely, the entire time from that point until I, I got knocked out of the tournament, uh, three levels later, I think, um, there were people making, limping along, people making min raises, even people making three X raises when they had 10 big blinds in their stack. Wow. So again, folks, not making fun of you, not, uh, uh, criticizing anybody, just helping you become a better poker player. When you have 10 big blinds or less, you got to be shoving that in if you're going to play. I mean, there could be people that, obviously, this didn't happen every single time. If this has happened frequently, then we know it's not that case. But there are people who would find a way to justify doing that. Like, they want to make sure they get a call or they want to make sure that, you know what I mean? There, sure, but, sure. But, yeah, on, on the whole, if, if that's what it is, yeah, you know, you should be shoving way earlier than that yeah i mean you make a good point if you got aces maybe you you, know, you want to get some value out of them so you, you limp and hope that somebody else behind you should shove right because right. everybody at the table is short stacked and that's the best way you get your money in because there's nothing worse than um shoving with a hand and everybody folding um you love it when you do it with seven eight of hearts right right <laughs> Uh, I also had another thing that uh, the, the one of the worst things in poker, I think, is when you get a walk with pocket aces in the big blind. Yeah. Because I never look at my cards until the end, right? So I walk, uh, and you don't get a lot of walks really in tournaments these days, anyhow, even at those blind levels. I mean, somebody's pushing in, and I look down, I'm like, aces, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so then uh, the last thing I want to mention, I, I, I can't believe we've ever, maybe we have talked about this, but it, it, it kind of occurred to me that I, I've been saying this wrong, and I think a lot of players say it wrong. So I ended up getting eliminated at the end. Um, player on the gun raised all in. Again, we're all short stacked, right? So I had ace, uh, jack of diamonds. Um, so that was an easy call, I thought, put it in. Uh, particularly because in this event, if you flopped a royal flush in diamonds, you get $100,000. So mm. uh, not going to fold those cards ever, right? But, right, right. But, uh, and of course, you know, uh, then, then my opponent turned over ace king and uh, ran out no good, and I'm out uh, 57th, right? Um, so what we normally say, right, is we got, well, at least I got it in good. That's all you could do, right? Right, right. Uh, but, but I didn't get it in good, right? I got it. I was a huge dog there, right? Mm. But I do think I got it in correctly. So maybe that's what we should be saying. <laughs> well, wait. What do you? Why? Why was getting it in against an, an superior hand correct? Well, I mean, I didn't know what his hand was. I could have uh, surmised that that was certainly in his range, and I, I could be making a um, uh, a bad essentially a call he had me covered right but uh there but he could have been also because we're short stacked to be shoving with a wider range of hands right oh geez i, I, I saw him call down with ace 10 the casenza so he could have had that and i would have had, had him uh, uh the odds would have been flipped right so, well when i first read this on the file I-, I thought maybe you were doing a grammar thing and i was going <laughs> to unleash the you know no it's an actual poker discussion okay because all right so to me i don't know if that's right or not because ultimately well, when people say i got it in good it means that i got it in when everything was revealed i was ahead right exactly so in this case you weren't but in the situation you were in it was probably the correct move but i don't that's, think you got it in correctly though 
right? Well, there could be a, yeah. There's a there's a reasonable debate to have over that, and we could have it if you'd like. But yeah. Um, but uh, I think the point is that if you made the right decision, even if it ended up being your your opponent ended up having a better hand, you shouldn't criticize yourself for that. Right. right? No. I mean, if if the if if all of the information except for his two cards are given to you and you make the optimum play, then you got it incorrectly. I would think. And then when they turn it over, it's just like, well, hey, that's going to happen, but it's part of the equation, and I did everything I was supposed to do properly here. It's just, just like anything else. And then when you revert back to the got it in good crap, when they say it, you know, because they were ahead and then somebody sucked out on them and they're just bitching, then it's, okay, you got it in good, but in this case, you did the right thing. I, I, it's weird about getting it in correctly, though. Just it, well, think about it this way, too. What if you got it in good where the cards are turned up and you had the best hand, but you shouldn't have made that move? You shouldn't have. That, that wasn't a spot to call. Uh, I, like a, here's like a really extreme example. Let's say it's a satellite tournament. Top 10 players all get the same prize, right? Right. And uh, uh, there are 11 players left. You just got to fade one more and you get it in. I mean, you get your, you get your event. Seat, yeah. Um, at the proper, the correct play there would be essentially to fold your way into it, correct? So, um, if you get it in and, and the cards are turned up and turns out you have the best hand, uh, you got it in good, but I think you could have a reasonable argument about whether you got it in correctly. Yeah. So it doesn't and, have to be that you lost. It could be that you won. I, it's it's, one, it's, it's the word it, I think, that throws it off because when you're saying you got it, what is it? It is is all your money, and so in this case, you you didn't get it incorrectly, or you did get it incorrectly, but you got in incorrectly, right? You, you shouldn't have gone in in the first place, but you still got it incorrectly. You got it in when you were ahead, and you it, but you made the wrong move. It's 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 weird. It's like if you be semantic about it, then all of this doesn't make any sense. But if it's yeah, but I guess that's my point. I don't think this is a, we, we deal with semantics all the time because we're journalists. But I don't think this is a semantic <laughs> discussion. I think um, that there is a a pretty strong difference between <clears throat> got in good. Oh, I won't even use the it because I don't want to mess you up. <laughs> got in good versus got incorrectly. <laughs> yeah, I, I I know. Well, the thing is that everyone says "got it in good" with the exact same meaning behind it. That they exactly. got it in That's ahead. I think yeah. we've been wrong about that. I think we need to start saying <laughs> "I got it incorrectly" or "got incorrect." Whatever is going to make you happy. Depends what the definition gonna, of is. Is I think we're gonna. <laughs> you sounded just like him, by the way. <laughs> that was pretty damn good, right there. Yeah, you know. Hey, I'm uh, I, I moonlight on the impersonator. Just remember, I have a photo with him. So, um, uh, all I want to say is that if you want to make this like like this is like Annie Up's big push to make our mark on <laughs> yes, poker. Yes. This is far better than restock. Yeah, th- this is yeah, this is gonna be our new our next publisher's column in January is gonna be on got it in good. That's actually not correctly. a bad idea. Yeah. So Scott's gonna write that. Everyone, stay tuned for that, and let's see how he stumbles over it. But uh, <laughs> I'm so glad it wasn't that you were saying. You shouldn't say good when you mean correctly because it's an adverb that modifies oh it. I'm like, okay, good. Because if you're, I, I was going to unleash some crap on you, which I will do in the next two items. But uh, <laughs> in this item, I'll, I'll refrain and say, I understand what you're saying now, and I appreciate it. Uh, Folks, but, you uh, can tell that we're on deadline for the magazine here, so Chris is like just in a, a word soup right now. So, <laughs> Hey, you make me wait 12 minutes to start the show. I'm going to be ornery. <laughs> This whole world right now is <laughs> copy editing. <so. laughs> Let's move on. All right. 
Let's move on so you can yell at me about something else there. <laughs> All right, uh, the World Series of Poker is confirmed uh, was first noticed by a Russian poker reporter that incorrect results were tabulated for a recent event, and that means that Robert Campbell, not Daniel Negreanu, is this year's Player of the Year, with Sean D. moving up to second place. The WSOP has apologized for the error, which said uh, resulted from a staffer overwriting the results of one event with the results of a different event, and is reviewing all of its procedures to help avoid a similar error in the future. I tell you, uh, first of all, those damn Russians, right? They're always screwing with everything that's going on. But, uh, hey, but this one uncovered something rather than <laughs> cause a problem. Yeah, so. but you know what? We should double check everything again because it might have been a bot who did this. And um, and it was all part of that. Uh, you know, they did it intentionally to make it look like Negranu won. But also, does Sean Deeb now have enough money to pay me my 50 bucks? I was just curious by moving up to second place. Yeah. You got, you got to feel absolutely just horrible for the staffer who did this i mean I, I mean how many times have we made a mistake with a magazine or something and you just you got a pit in your stomach for a month you know what well, I mean? even worse than that i've been seeing some people online like uh, this person should get fired over this now i mean <clears throat> maybe but um i'll tell you mistakes are easy to make and you know back when we worked at the newspaper too we made some i mean i don't know you and me specifically but the newspaper itself as employees you made some pretty big mistakes that cost the company a lot of money um and i never saw anybody get fired over it i did see one person like lose his raise for the year or something like that but um and i think it's a reflection of the fact that when you're doing this much work that often that eventually you're going to make a mistake doesn't make it feel any better when it's something this big but you know, again, this is a you know it's a difference between a staffer overriding results and there being a new player of the year versus a doctor cutting off the wrong leg, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Come on, let, let, let's put some stuff into perspective here, right? Right, right. It, it, what's really happened here? Um, so I, 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 I would not fire somebody over this, but uh, I certainly understand that other people would would think it's to that level. But yeah, you're right. Uh, and what I used to tell people all the time when we would do uh, in newspaper business, we call it a headline bust, right? When you misspell a word or put the wrong word or it cuts off or whatever. Um, the person that made that mistake, there, there's nothing you can do to that person that's going to make them feel worse than they already feel about it. Right. I mean, you can, you can write them up. You can chastise them in a meeting. You can whatever you want to do. They're already feeling as bad as they're ever going to feel about it. So... You know, you're just piling on now, and uh, that I don't think that makes a good workplace. But, uh, but that's also the human part of it. So, yeah. So, to your point, the staffer, I'm sure, is just beside him or herself over over this. And sure, if they're if the whole internet wants to continue to hate on them, all right, go ahead. But <laughs> you're not going to make that person feel any worse, I don't think. You know, <clears throat> one of the things that's shocking about this, though, is that I mean, I think a lot of people pay close attention to these things, like not the the results themselves, but the right, actual right. tabulating of the player of the year. And it's like, how did Dan Negrano all of a sudden increase his lead when he, or whatever, when he didn't even play that event in cash or he played it and didn't, didn't finish or, you know what I mean? It's like uh, someone didn't notice that until after everything was all said and done. That's bizarre. Yeah, I think it's a great point. I'm like, you would think, I mean, it's not like it's early in the, in the race, you know, you're not really paying attention to as much, I should say. As to who is up there, because you got a whole year of events, right? But this is down towards the end, right? I think so. I, I would think at that point, there's a lot of people like poker geeks out there <laughs> that are yeah. just like, 
following this, in particular because of Negrano's, um, all of his uh, side bets and stuff that he had on this as well, too. You would think all those people would be paying attention as closely as possible. Um, but maybe they maybe they were just uh, drinking the Kool-Aid there because he was a top. So yeah. they didn't want it to be different. But, yeah, I, that's a very good point. That uh, I'm surprised that there's only one person that noticed this. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm always for getting the record straight. You know, I'm always for that. You know, you want to make sure, especially the journalist in us, you know, and it has to happen. It's fact. Just like when we play poker, that's why you show your hand because you may have the best hand. Just because you point out the best hand doesn't mean that you are the villain here. It's fact. That hand was better than the hand that beat you or the other person, and that's the right thing to do. That right, the winning hand won, and in this case, the winning player got what was due. And uh, you know, even like even that Robert Campbell, there's a mistake we made earlier. I made it. I I thought it was the Robert Campbell that we knew from Miami when we first started reading about these stories and stuff. And it turns out he wasn't even from this country or whatever. So I mean, people make mistakes all the time, you know, and it's it's terrible. I just feel terrible for this person being in those shoes. But uh, I'll never forget the correction that Metro ran. In the St. Pete Times once, I was I came in one day and, and the correction said the name, age, gender, and hometown of a little, a little boy. It was a little boy in like Pinellas Park or something. It was all wrong. <laughs> they had, I mean, there's not much more you can get wrong unless you had to put his weight and height in the story <laughs> too. Height and weight. I mean, holy cow! It was like age, weight, gender, and hometown of this person was all wrong in a story. I thought, wow. That, I wouldn't want to be that person today in Neil Brown's office. Yeah, yeah but, absolutely. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, corrections uh, have to happen and things have to be made right. Yeah, so the, 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 one of the more interesting things about this, I think, is the point that uh, Sean D was in this last event, and I think it was like he, it was 11 players left or whatever, and he thought he had to get to um, top five in order to be the player of the year. Uh, after the points were recalculated, it turns out he would have just had to make it uh, fade two more players. So yeah. uh, there would have been some strategic, or probably was some strategic uh, considerations there because of this mistake that had caused somebody like that. And um, so that that's unfortunate as well. But crazy. Um, but yeah, what's done is done. Now we got to move forward. So uh, I, I would be shocked if something like this happens again because I imagine what's going to happen is there's going to be some. Level of redundancies that, that are added to it, uh, which happens. This is the reason companies are so big now, right? It's yeah. because somebody made a mistake, so they hired somebody else to make sure that so person doesn't make a mistake the next time. And then both those people make a mistake, so they hire another person to make sure those two people make. <laughs> and next thing you know, there's four million people, and uh, they got to charge a thousand dollars for a cell phone. Yeah, yeah. It's the way the world works. But. All right, uh, David Rush, who holds more than 100 Guinness World Records. I hold one, by the way. Uh, previously <laughs> held the record for the most poker chips balanced on one finger, has reclaimed the record by balancing 150 chips on his finger for seven seconds. His previous record was 100 chips in five seconds, uh, but that was beat when someone balanced 132 chips for five seconds. <laughs> okay, this is where I lose it on you. What the hell is this doing on our show? With poker chips. Okay, all right, so given that, all right, I feel that we need to give fair and balanced coverage of the poker chip slash poker card industry, right? So why don't we describe some other records that are held with, like, playing cards? For In fact, the current world record for the farthest playing card thrown is held by Rick Smith Jr. He threw a card... 216 feet 4 inches in 2002. It also is the record for the fastest card thrown, 91.96 miles an hour. Wow. Right? I mean, if we're going to talk about random stuff just because it has poker 
in it. Well, you know, I, I could say that we spent about four hours talking about you sanding ships uh, a couple years ago. And <laughs> well, our speaking listeners of, love that story. So, Speaking of cards being thrown, Bei Deng Chun has the Guinness World Record for the most playing cards thrown into a watermelon in a minute. 17! I've seen that. That's pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> Probably get them for my uh, watermelon week next year. <laughs> Oh man, I saw this on the file, and I'm like, okay, we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel to get a news item on the show today. Uh, be a hater all you want, but tell me how impressive this is. is Even the, the first record, 100 chips in five seconds on one finger. It is remarkable. I mean, I wonder if I they have to... Hand. It, it, it's funny that you brought up the sanding of the chips because remember the reason we did it was because they were so slippery that they were the people were getting ticked off and so were the dealers and the staff and everything. So we made them rough so they'd stick together a little more. Do these chips? Do there, does there have to be some sort of viscosity test on yeah, the size true. of the chips to see if they'll slide easier if he tilts them a little? bit? You know what I mean? I wonder how that gets. Well, judged. I'll tell you this: I even if I glued a hundred chips together, <laughs> I think you could do it. I couldn't bounce it on my finger for even one second. I though. think you could. I think you. I think if they were, if it was, I mean, I've seen you hold a cigar, buddy. I think you could <laughs> take a bunch of chips that were cigar glued completely different. <laughs> and I'll tell you, late at night, I dropped that cigar more often than I once did. So yeah, well, that's because you're alcohol induced by then. This is not the same. This is oh, by the way, chance of doing this would be alcohol induced. I could do this sober, <laughs> right? Because as it was falling, you'd be falling that way, and that would counteract it and balance it. Because you never stand up when you drink. No, because I'm sober. I'd be like, I can't do this. But give me, a, give me one of those uh, 99 family pack Paps Lurmans that people keep posting on my Facebook page. Oh, jeez. Then I'll think I can conquer the world. So yeah, I'm like, give me those 132 chips. I'm ready to go. I think this guy practiced by balancing <laughs> potatoes. You know, he's from Idaho. <laughs> All right, Annie updates. The Texas Poker Championship, presented by Annie Up, has uh, one more tournament series in December to help fund the Social Card Clubs of Texas organization, featuring day ones at card clubs across Texas. For more details, visit socialcardclubsoftexas.org. Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcast at annieupmagazine.com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. This week's prize, a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars, specializing in poker odds and map at poker911.net. comes from David Brown. He says, on the river, the first player bet. His lone opponent was thinking about it uh, and then handed his buddy his cards. His buddy thought he was folding and went to fold them, but they didn't touch the muck. Before he folded, the player stopped him, took his cards back, and went back to thinking. The floor was called, and they ruled it was not a fold. What was the proper ruling? All right, Elliot says, uh, one player to a hand and one hand to a player is the fundamental rule of poker. This was violated by the handing off of the cards from the player to their friend. This was not a fold, as only the actual owner of the hand can determine that. I would have admonished that player and advised him that further instances of sharing would result in time off to contemplate what defines proper behavior at a poker table. Very good. Yeah, when I first saw this, and I'm like, what is this guy doing giving his cards to somebody else? Yeah, I thought for sure that would mean it was dead, though. You know, no, but little... yeah, you know, the more I thought about it, I mean, uh, Elliot's probably right. I'm like, it's not really a fold. I mean, there's there's a, there's a separate, uh, there probably should be. I'm surprised he didn't mention that there should be an automatic penalty there because it probably would be at least a warning, But I, which I guess is what Elliot's saying. But um, that you, you just can't do that. That's, you know, uh, like, like uh, in, the, in the Deep Slack uh, event, there was a, uh, again, I mentioned that I was at a table with a bunch of, you know, non-experienced poker players right uh this poor uh, older gentleman um uh got it in good or correctly i'm not sure which probably both 
um, lost a hand and was left with two 100 chips when blinds were outrageous, right? Mm -hmm. So, of course, he's upset and blah, and he's like, what am I going to do with these? And of course, apparently, he's never heard of the chip in the chair story, right? But yeah. wasn't about to educate him, but he gets up and just tosses the chips to his neighbor and he's like, here, I'm done. You can have these. <laughs> And I reached over like, whoa, no, you can't do that. And the woman got all mad at me because she thought uh, I was accusing her of stealing it. She's like, I was going to give them back. And I'm like, I wasn't saying anything to you, ma'am. It was just, you know, <laughs> it was just something that was so outrageously not what you would see at a table. And again, it's beginners, so I, it shouldn't be that outrageous to me. But uh, I just, it was a, a proper reaction, I think, for me, right? Because you just don't see that anymore, right? Right. Um, and that would be the same thing if I saw this. And I'm like, what are you doing giving those cards? And then it's like, pop down, pipe down. <laughs> Be fine, but, uh, it just doesn't make any sense. So I'm like, uh, it just sounds like the friend here was kind of surprised too. Like, well, what, am I, what am I doing with your cards now? <laughs> All right, I'll throw them away if you want, you lazy. <laughs> we got a new O'Malley's move. Oh, no, we don't. You get the complete O'Malley's move today, the best part of the week. So here's part one, and then we'll see you on the other side. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are seated in our regular $1, $2 No Limit Hold'em casino cash game. This is our second table of the night. We sat down with 300 and currently have 500. We've been playing for roughly two hours at this table. The blinds post, the under the gun calls. This woman sits with 600 after buying in for 100 and plays very poorly. She flopped top pair on a king high board with king six off and called bets all the way down to the river, where she won with a six-high flush. She's a calling station, but usually isn't too aggressive. An MP and the hijack also call, and we are on the button with the queen of hearts, nine of hearts. I like this hand with position, but not enough to raise. We call. The small blind calls, the big blind checks, and with about $10 in the pot, the flop is intriguing. The king of hearts, queen of spades, jack of hearts comes down. The under-the-gun bets $10 into the pot and the hijack calls. This might be a raising situation here, but with how difficult it is to put the under-the-gun on any kind of a range, we elect to call. The blinds fold. There's about $40 in the pot, and the turn is the four of clubs. The under-the-gun bets $20 into the pot, and the hijack folds. Once again, we're in the same situation. I like my hand. However, there's only one card to come at this point. We elect to call. Are we making mistakes here? The pot is around $80, and the river is the eight of hearts. The under the gun bets $20 once again. So, are we good here? Is this a call or a raise? And how much? What's the move? All right, I'm raising here. Uh, only one hand beats us, and while it's possible she has it, uh, she hasn't been betting like it, like that's what she has. Uh, maybe I'm being lulled in by O'Malley's description of her being a poor player. But what are we playing a suit of queen for if not to raise when we hit our flush? Yeah, 50 bucks to go. I can't just call with a second nuts on a 1-2 hole in the game, so I'm making it 50 bucks to go. Here we go. Here comes part two. Hello again. I think we're good here. I can imagine our opponent having a suited ace of hearts, which is the only hand we lose to here, but she can also have a variety of other hands as well. I think this is a value betting situation, and I'm willing to call anything else she elects to put in the middle. We're going to do a little min-raise here for value. We make it another $20. Our opponent thinks for a short time before calling and quickly turning over the jack of spades, jack of clubs. Interesting. A flop set. 
we rake in the pot. So, did we play this one poorly? Should we have raised prior to the river? Was our raise on the river too small? Are these questions putting us in a results-oriented state of mind? I hope to see you on the felt. All right, so O'Malley's questions, uh, definitely a good debate to have on whether we should have been more aggressive on the flop or turn uh, with the pair and an open-ender. Uh, now, knowing what our opponent had, we might have gotten uh, pushed off his hand, actually, had we been more aggressive. Uh, but that's, of course, results-oriented, which we never are. <laughs> I don't uh, necessarily think we should have been more aggressive before the river, but definitely worth considering. Uh, but on the river, yeah, we, we probably left money on the table with a small raise. Um, but again... <laughs> Well, twist and turns my answer here, right? Yeah. Uh, but we can't be sure of that. Uh, she is described as a poor player, but poor players can also read the board, folks. It's possible that a bigger river raise might have scared her away, knowing that a straight and a flush was now possible. Yeah, I wouldn't advocate more aggression on that flop. Uh, but, yeah, I think a bigger bet on the river may have gotten called. Um, I, I don't know what that number is, that magic number, but there's no reason not to consider well, you it. Well, said 50. I think that's probably a good... Yeah, 50 is probably the one, but... Um, eh. Yeah, you never know. At least that's where I'd start the bidding. At. Yeah, somebody intangibles, you never know. But, uh, yeah, interesting. At least we won. Yes, we did. That's always important. That's always good. All right, it's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcastantmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And before we get to the hand, I did remember one more story from the deep stack. I was in the buffet line, and a gentleman came up. He's like, hey, are you from Annie Up? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, you guys got the greatest show. We love, I love listening to you. And I'm like, oh, thank you very much. Uh, and he's like, one of you is too nitty for me, though. And I'm like, that's me, sir. <laughs> Glad to meet you. <laughs> So we'll see if I'm nitty here with uh, Matt Hayward. Uh, he's got something here described as a situation, but as always, it's been a while since I've read it. So we will treat it like a hand of the week until it gets to the situation stage. Okay. Right? All right. Uh, he says, this week's hand comes from the land of online. I remember those days. Uh, starts the hand uh, under the gun at a two-cent, five-cent table, six max, no limit hold'em. And we had the Ace of Diamonds... Queen of Hearts, and before you answer, he, we've got $13.39 behind, uh, up from our $2.50 buy-in. So I've done quite well, drawn good. <clears throat> I'll have uh, Did you say drawn good, or is it drawn correctly? Uh, <laughs> uh, very good point. But I assume that means he got the card he needed, but it may not have been an, the correct decision to draw at that point. Uh, let's see, uh, six, a six max table, that's a pretty powerful hand, even yes, no matter right. where you are, I think. So, uh, whatever the standard raise was at the table, I, to me, when we're playing these micro limits like this, you know, people were make it, you know, 15 cents and then it'd be like, eh, that's not enough. Then make it a quarter. So whatever the raise normally would be, you know, I would make it. So 20 to a quarter, maybe, maybe even a little more than that. Sometimes online they're making it 10 X and you know, it just depends. So. I don't know. Whatever the standard raise was that was pretty normal at that table and was working to narrow the field, that's what I would make it. So, 25 cents maybe? 20 cents? Exactly. Yeah, I'm going to say 25 cents, but you're right. It doesn't matter what we think. It's whatever the standard is. So right. If standard 15 cents, that's what you should be betting. Standard quarter, bet that. So. All right, our hero bets 20 cents, uh, which he says is fairly standard. So, there we go. So. Okay. Folds to the button, uh, who's sitting with $2.74, uh, button calls. Uh, small blind folds, and the big blind with $4.95 raises to $0.85. Cents. Back to us. <sighs> yeah, I, I don't think I'm folding. 
Uh, I don't know if I'm going to re-raise either, though. Um, hmm. Probably just call. What do you think? Seems to me that this is a, a an easy call, but um, you know, again, I'm always uh, the nitty one, right? Right, and, you're the nitty one. Um, and uh, I don't like playing ace queen to a raise, but this is a little bit different because we we were the initial raiser, and now it's the big blind raising. Um, I guess we won't have position in, in if the button calls. So, uh, but we will have position on the person raising us. Right. So, right. Um, that does help me at this point. So, yeah, I'm not going to let this go here. Um, uh, but I also don't feel confident enough to to re-raise. But right. I, I guess if you would raise here now, you're almost guaranteeing getting the button out, which is something to be said. Um, and really, actually, now that you think about it, so. Oh, it's the button at 274. It's a big blind at 495. If it's a big blind that only had 224, I wouldn't mind raising here because I'd be happy to get it in at that point. Right, for two bucks. Right. So to that point, maybe it is, that would be worth it for me to, to get heads up rather than three-handed. Well, here's the question, though. Again, if we're trying to be fair and do things the way we would normally do them, this is a 2-5 table. Right. You know, you're not going to go all in for $274 just because, you know, you know what I mean? You're just not going to do it if you made it $20 to no, go. No, I wouldn't I would suggest that big a raise. What I'd suggest is I'm not afraid of raising and then getting re-raised again at that point because it's going to get all in anyhow at that point. Yeah. Now, 495 is a different story. And again, if using your your very good example of this being a 2-5 table rather than a 2 cent 5 cent table, um yeah, uh, $495 is now more than a third of our stack, so yeah. I don't think I want to do that. But the reason I bring it up is just that I mean, obviously, you would like to be heads up. You wouldn't want to play ace queen three handed offsuit, right? So right. there, there is a consideration there to maybe raise there to definitely drive the button out. Um, but I, I think our 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 big blind chip stag is a little too uh, too big to make that move here. So that's why I would call still. Yeah, and hope the button gets out. I mean, we don't know the button's going to call. They they could be they might too be too rich for it now. So yeah, uh, that would be the best case scenario is to call here and then the button folds. Yeah. Uh, all right. Our hero calls. Uh, the button does as well too. Um, he says a fold also feels okay. Uh, that said, I'm happy to see a flop given the ace queen offsuit isn't bad, and I have position on the river. Yeah, I think a fold is definitely too tight there. Um, and I say that as a nitty one. <laughs> uh, all right, so the flop is the nine of diamonds, ten of spades, queen of spades, and the big blind checks to us with a $2.47 pot. Yeah, we have to bet a decent amount here. Uh, one, the check to us means that he didn't like that flop, uh, which means he probably had something like pocket eights. Either didn't like it or liked it a lot. So Yeah, but really, I mean... The big blind, uh, he's 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 got to bet, um, he's got to bet there, even if he really liked it, because he took control of his hand, and he's, you know, I mean, it looks it looks super super fishy to just check it, uh, but I I feel like he would want to protect his hand. Um, I don't think he's raising like that a re-raise from out of position with king jack, so the only thing it's got to be is a set. You know what I mean? At this point, you've got to make a bet here and find out what's going on because there's no way. I think he didn't like this flop. I think yeah, even if he, he had a set, a set, he still wants to protect it. Set, he has to bet here, right? Yeah. This is such a scary board for a set. Yeah, I don't think he likes this flop. I think really flop. the only hand you get away with slow playing here is the king jack of spades. Yeah, exactly. And even you're that, not, you still don't have the nuts. Yeah, but you're not afraid of the spades at that point. I mean, you've got king jack off here. 
you should be worried about the spades, so right. you should still bet. And I meant the next and Plus, if you got a King Jack here, your hand's really disguised. Who's going to put you on King Jack here, right? Yeah, there's no so way. All the more reason to bet, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this check, this like check means, right yeah, means we're ahead, I think. So I think I want to put the hammer down on this hand because there's another guy in the hand that's so wet. You know, I mean, these are the cards that are in everyone's wheelhouse, and it's so wet. I think i got to make it like a pot size bet, you know, like 250 or exactly something. Exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Pot. That puts the button all in if they want in. That that's a big chunk of the big blind stack. So um, it, it's so wet that that's I think that's the way to go. So I'm I'm typing out two forty seven on the little keyboard there. So. Um, all right, our hero bets one dollar twenty four cents. Um, he says, given the wetness of the board, the big blind check seems odd and very weak. It could be a slow play with a made straight and flush redraw, but that seems too specific a hand. King of spades, jack spades uh, for this spot, and then would be quite uh, a loose preflop re-raise. Anything that would normally suit the preflop raise, uh, aces, kings, ace, king, jacks, uh, seems unlikely to check, except maybe the ace, king. The big blind having queen, queen uh, with a queen of spades seems unlikely as they are to have a case queens. Even then, I think I would think a flop set, queens, tens, or nines would look to bet for value um, slash deny equity, given there are two preflop callers. I could have checked behind, but decided to bet to see where I am. I definitely don't think you could check behind here. You have to bet here. Yeah, I, I don't mind uh, the bet. It's just the amount. I mean, I, yeah. I, I think that it's not enough because anybody drawing would call that. And I realize it's probably not ideal, but with other members in the pot, they're probably going to get the implied odds or at least the current odds that they want. So I, I just I would want to make it a little more expensive for somebody with a random jack in their hand to hit the king or the eight, you know for a low price um and then the spades too somebody has a couple of spades i mean there's so much to protect against here i just think that that's not enough to get someone to fold yeah i mean really even that bet is almost an all-in bet for the button now you think about it because they had 274 minus the 85 they put in there so um but again we're more worried about the uh, we should be more worried i believe about the with the big blinds so yeah um um all right uh, button raises to a dollar eighty nine, which must be all of it, I assume, right? Um, sixty five cents uh, more for us. The big blind jams for four ten. Mm. Another two eighty six to us, and back to us. Ugh. Well, that's weird. Big blind check raises after raising preflop. I mean, it, could, it can't possibly be king jack. I mean, I just I don't see that. So maybe he's got a jack in his hand. And ace jack of spades, maybe? And he just wanted to. I don't know. Uh, we would have bet that, I think. So this is really weird. This is really weird. I don't think it's king jack, though. Because uh, he would have he bet these hands. I, this is bizarre. So maybe he thinks he can get heads up with the other person and knock us out with that bet, but he really doesn't have anything that's. You know, feels. This is really weird. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. The amount yeah, of money we like- have in there, though. Two dollars more, or less than three dollars more, it's probably worth to just call it. And it's probably, I don't know, maybe that's a mistake. Like I said, if we went back to the whole two five situation, do I really want to call two hundred eighty six more dollars when the pot would be what it was raised to one eighty nine? It was one twenty four plus our bet. I mean, plus our rate the pot. I mean, so that'd be three sixty four sixty five. Some so. And then so it's nine, so it's almost ten for. So maybe you do call. You got. I mean, do you, I, do you, as long as long as somebody has a straight, I'm trying to figure out what we can make. We could still somehow backdoor into Broadway, 
So we have outs to a straight that could beat the straight that's out there now. Know. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, it could go runner runner for a boat. I, I would think that that boat's probably not going to be good. Well, if, if we and hit the straight, would probably if the straight's going to be good, it would probably be a chop. But if I mean, it came queen ace, our big our boat would be good. Our ace queen. Yeah, I'm probably just going to call this. Uh, I, it might be a mistake, but I'd probably just call. I got top pair, top kicker, and ew, I just can't figure out what that big blind has. That's a weird hand. It's a weird way to play that hand, no matter what he has. Um, but I'm going to call. All right, I'm back to the nitty host. Here. <laughs> um, you know, again, I, I think this is the forbidden fruit kind of thing here. We're looking at it. Well, it's only another, what, two bucks or whatever. That's that's the forbidden fruit part of this. It's like, all right, you know, it could be right here. It's only a little bit of money. But I, I honestly don't know what we could beat here. Um, you know, we talked about the the big blind, how odd that check was, um, and how if you would have had a set or two pair or, or even a straight at that point, you should have still bet. But that doesn't mean that, that particular player would have right mm-hmm. so it's very likely that we're probably up against one of those hands which is really tough for us to beat right now um and then you got this button that's coming out of nowhere now and and betting um you know if there's any hand that we have beat right now i mean we have one pair we have the top pair queen right so um king queen we have beat that's realistic jack queen we got beat but that has a lot more outs than we do I, I I just don't know really what else we have out there that, that we can beat both of these players. Now, granted, we only have to beat the big blind to make money on this hand. Um, but he was the the original aggressor, and I, I had to give him credit for having the best of the, the two hands that we're up against here. So that negates that whole thing. So, uh, all right, call me nitty, guy in the buffet line. The other thing, too, is I I don't think that's true about you have to beat the big blind to make money because I think the button had a little more than half of what the big blind had. So we would lose that 270, whatever well, no, it was what I'm hand. saying is if, yeah, if we lose to the button, if we'd, the button has the best break hand even. It, that wins the main pot, so our only chance of making money is that side pot. Right? Yeah, which would break even. Right. Well. Mm. Okay, uh, I'm still calling. Uh, I feel like I need to call. I feel like the it for some reason it just feels like draws to me. I don't know what it is, but it feels like somebody was hoping to get a free card. The other person said, screw it, I don't believe these people, and I'm going to shove with, you know, because I want to see the next card, so I might as well shove the last dollar I have on me. And then the other one was like, hey, now that he's done this, maybe I can get this other guy out by shoving with my draw and then, you know, whatever. But it just doesn't, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like somebody's got a lock on this hand because it's such a wet board. The first guy, if he had the lock, I just feel like he would have bet it, and he didn't. I, I don't see why he wouldn't have bet with a lock with two people behind him to act. You know, he took control of this hand preflop and then didn't do anything. So, I don't know. And then the button, I mean, it wasn't that much more. to what, It was 65 more cents. So he was just basically saying, all right, screw it. I need to see the next cards. So I might as well shove. Right, right. So I'm, I just feel like we're ahead here still. I, I yeah, I mean, we could be up against pocket jacks here. Um, although. The big blind, right? The big blind probably have that. That would be good. That'd be a, that would make sense to me. Yeah, I just don't understand how they why they would jam then after that. That's that seems a little strong. I mean, it would make more sense for the button to to raise all in with jacks here, but then the button would have raised preflop. So yeah, I would. So that doesn't make much sense either. Um, other than that, again, I don't know what we're up against here. That you know, a seven eight maybe some kind of suited seven eight. 
Oh, and we have two hands we have to beat. So, I mean, we need to put on um, two weaker hands. And, by the way, if they have any of those hands, we got to fade two more cards. Yeah. So, I don't know. Interesting. I'm Frank Nitty. Sorry. I'm Paul. <laughs> uh, all right. Our hero says, uh, I'll be honest, I'm very perplexed by uh, at the stage. If I call, uh, there will be a decent side pot of around 450 whose action is just weird. Uh, he says, I go with my gut, which probably was the wrong decision in hindsight and call. Oh, it looks like you're wrong, Chris. Uh, I guess I'm wrong. And he says, I'll be honest, I was at, uh, at odds at odds end with this decision. With hindsight, I thought there wouldn't be too much on beating, given two players are all in. However, the big blinds check jam action on the flop seem way too fishy to be a set uh, or better all the time. More likely, there will be a decent amount of draws in there, too. There did seem to be a good chance of the button having king jack for mage straight or maybe pocket nines or tens for a set. But the fact I only have to call uh, 65 cents more at this point seems small enough to justify a call to a big pot. The board runs out seven of hearts, queen of diamonds. So we have trip queens and stoked to see the big blind has pocket jacks. Wow. Yeah, that's what we said. Huh, interesting. Uh, for a pair of jacks and busted straight draw, the button has ace jack offsuit. Wow. Ace high with a busted straight jaw. Made me think of the great Godfather Part 2 line that just when you think you're out, they suck you back in. Oh, oh correction. Uh, Godfather Part 3. Ah. Oh, well. uh, part 2, he's glad to be in. Part 3 is when he was out of the business forever and then they brought him back in. He's in the kitchen saying that and he takes that face and pulls his hands in and says, they pull <coughs> Movie in. nerd. Uh, <laughs> it's Part 3, sorry. Uh, wow. Wow, I would dodge a lot there. But the Jacks, that's what we call. We put someone on jacks and it made sense for well, him because we talked about where the big blind could have jacks yeah. there, but again the, why do you jam there with the jacks uh, well that's what i'm thinking i'm thinking now he's got the opportunity here to make us now fold like he, he saw we checked us we bet a little bit the other guy pushes now we can shove on him and say okay go ahead try to call my four bucks right because it's not going to cost us anything if we fold. he's not going to cost him anything if we fold right right and get get us out of the way and then we're up against somebody else with this all right all right and he's afraid of that he's sort of afraid of that flop because the queen overboard the wet board all that queen over oh yeah absolutely right Right? scared but yeah i think you're right now that now even though you're scared at that point you need to you need to get us out of this pot yeah isolate and then uh, and you would have got me out so yeah so you would have got the nits out yeah wow okay so interesting yeah, interesting H-Jack. hand. Jack. All right, hold on. I gotta figure out this ace jack. That guy was just throwing his money away, right? Oh, I guess he's open. He's got the jack. He's got the open and the overcard. So if he gets a king, he's got Broadway. If he's got the eight, he's got you know. What I mean, so he's open ended, but he's got yeah, the he's- nuts to the straights either way. Uh, if he if the, if the king comes, I mean. Um, so he's got two straight draws basically, you know, open ended, and then you know, get the overcard in case somehow everyone's on a draw and he hits his ace or something. So. I mean, yeah, and he's thinking, well, I'm not getting, letting this draw go away for whatever, so he puts in 65 more cents because he knows he can't fold on the turn, or on the, right. yeah, on the turn. No. Or, so yeah. interesting enough, I think we can make a case that both of our opponents played this correctly, and we can make a case, I can make a case, that we played it incorrectly. Mm. Got it in good. <laughs> but not but correct. Not correct. <laughs> look, at, look at that call back there. Wow, we're going to be using that a lot in the show now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. they winning for him, so yeah, it worked out. Though I mean, uh, wow, that's a lot of cards and a lot of situations to dodge, and he did it. it. Really was the perfect scenario, though. I mean, imagine and just look how lucky you are in that situation, though. I mean, those are three jacks. Three of the four jacks are out right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, good pot, Matt. Yeah, way to go, Matt. I don't good think job. you got it incorrectly, though. 
<laughs> I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Locke. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Music.